Good morning and welcome to High Point Church Online. I'm Jenny. And I'm Amy. And if this is your first time, a special welcome to you. We would love if you would just say hi in the chat so that we could say hi back. We have a couple of announcements before we kick off today's service. Amy, you want to start us off? I got an announcement for us. We are excited to be partnering with Must Ministries here in the Atlanta area by having a canned food drive for the next few weeks. So we're asking all of you to please, while you're out running errands, picking up groceries, grab some extra canned goods and bring them to church on Sunday. The deadline for that is November 13th, so you have plenty of time to get that food in. But again, we're partnering with Must Ministries and we would love for you to join in. And if you can't make it in to donate those canned goods, we will have a special fund available. You can go to that by texting HPINFO to 97000 if you just want to give in that way instead of going and buying the cans. Exactly. We'll do it for you. (laughs) Our other announcement is that this Friday we have our youth bonfire. So any youth from 6th grade all the way to 12th grade can come hang out by the fire. We're going to have hot dogs. We're going to have s'mores. It's going to be lots and lots of fun. Perfect fall weather here in Kennesaw. So it's it's a perfect opportunity just to hang out and have fun. Yeah, absolutely. So be sure to register again by texting HPINFO to 97000. And with that, we're going to continue this time of worship before we head into the message with our giving. At High Point, we are serious about fun, as you can tell, but we're also serious about our faith. And one of the greatest ways we can grow in our faith is by stretching ourselves in the area of giving. Mm -hmm. We believe that God honors our giving. He sees your giving. He knows the heart and the motive behind it. And we want to invite you to do that this morning. You can text HPNFO to 97000 to give online. And again, just a reminder, all of our giving, it's not just about you. It's not just about me or our local church. It's about our community and what all God has called us to do. And with that, um, we are going to pray and head into the message. Okay. Jenny, do you want to pray for us this morning? Sure, absolutely. (laughs) Father God, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you so much that we get to come together online and worship you. I thank you for Pastor Andy as he's going to come with the message and you're going to speak through him. I pray, Father God, during this time that you will put it on our hearts about giving. You've given us and so now it's time for us to give back to you. And we thank you that we have this opportunity to do that. We pray that you will watch over us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning and welcome to High Point Church Online. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here. Great to be with you this morning, wherever you're streaming from, especially if this is uh, your first time here. Welcome. Uh, It's a pleasure and honor to have you here. We're in a series called Upon This Rock, and it's all about God's people, the church, and who we're called to be and how we're called to live. Now, this past week for us, for for me here in the Atlanta area, uh, it was fall break. Uh, Wherever you're watching from, you may or may not have a fall break, but for us, that meant that our kids were out of school for the week. And so we took a trip to St. Louis, where I am originally from, and we wanted my kids to get some time with their great-grandfather there in St. Louis. And so we, we went to St. Louis, rented a little place. Uh, in downtown, and we did all this kind of St. Louis things. Went to the zoo, and went to the St. Louis Basilica, the cathedral, and kind of did all these things. And I mean, I could talk about it for days. I had, we had a great time, but my kids will tell you that their favorite thing 
was the City Museum. That's what it's called. The City Museum, which already sounds like a snore, right? Like a museum, right? However, it's, it's literally like the 10 stories of interactive art that you get to walk through, climb through, jump through, slide through. There's hidden passages and tunnels and, 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 and twisty turns and surprises and caves and stairs and all these things, a 10-story slide, right? Did I have a good time at it? Maybe I did also, <laughs> right? Amy, my wife and I, we might have had as much fun as the kids. It was awesome. They had a gutted out airplane, you know, inside this giant factory that's no longer a factory. There's a Ferris wheel on top outside of the building overlooking the city. And you know, you're crawling through an airplane, you're going through these hidden passages, and then they've got a bus vaulted 50 feet up in the air, right? That's also been gutted. And you walk through it and then there's the drawbridge. It just was like, okay, what is this random kind of eclectic experience? It's hard to describe. And yet, my kids will tell you their favorite thing was that. And you know what's interesting is things that, that you find exciting, things that you find fun, things that, that are a, a, a powerful experience for you. You don't have any difficulty talking about it, do you? What do you love to talk about? What are things that you naturally talk about? Maybe it's video games. Maybe it's a restaurant. Americans love to talk about food and we love to talk about film. I mean, we talk about those two things because they move us. And the reality is this. We talk about things, right, that mean something to us. We talk about things that move us. And whether it's food, whether it's film, whether it's a vacation spot, the beach, or the mountains, nobody needs to twist your arm for it. You just do it. And this principle holds true nearly everywhere, except for one place, and that's faith. There is something oftentimes... And it might be cultural. We're not even going to get into all of the whys today. But many times we find ourselves naturally talking about things that move us, things that excite us, things that are powerful, things that are experiential. And so we, we, we naturally talk about those things. And yet, when it comes to faith, sometimes we find, and oftentimes we find, this aspect of our life, this thing that needs to almost be protected and it gets bottled up a little bit and it's made private. And I don't want to insinuate today that, that the reason you don't talk about faith or I don't talk about faith is that God hasn't moved you or changed you or transformed you, even though that could be a possible reality for you. I actually think there are other things at work 
that work against us sharing our faith. I think it's too simplistic to simply say, you're not a Christian or, or you haven't been moved by God. You haven't experienced God and thus and therefore you don't ever want to talk about him. I don't think that really captures the full picture of what's happening as it pertains to faith. I think there's more than meets the eye in this moment. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're in a series, as I mentioned, called Upon This Rock. And one of the things that the church should be doing, one of the things that, that we're called to do is to share our faith, to talk about Jesus. The word, the scriptures talk about us being a witness or testifying about what we've seen and about what we've heard and about what we have experienced. And yet many times we struggle to be that and to do that. Follow me here as Peter, one of the apostles, he writes to the scattered church, a Gentile church in 1 Peter chapter 3. He says, hey, who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. You might be thinking, what does this have to do with sharing your faith? Well, Peter is writing to, the, the, to, a, to a Gentile church, meaning they're non-Jewish. They didn't grow up with all this religion. And so these people, they've come to faith in Jesus. They have become Christians. They're a part of what is called the way. And Peter is writing to them because they're experiencing persecution. They're experiencing some difficulty. Now, this isn't, they're not losing their lives in this moment, right? This is, this is not physical abuse or even jail time in this moment, like chained to a wall type persecution, even though that will be existing and exists for some, this is uh, mostly discrimination, right? This is business practice. This is, you're getting unfavorable deals. You're getting treated as though you're strange and you're weird. You're ostracized. You're marginalized, right? All because you believe that Jesus is the Messiah and you're living your life in such a way that is generous, which was radical. You're kind, also radical, right? You're living in purity. Crazy times we're living in. And so they're being mistreated and they're afraid of the treatment that they're getting. They don't want to say anything. They don't want to do anything. And so they're keeping their faith to themselves. And Peter is saying, don't be afraid. In fact, revere Christ as Lord in your heart. Always be prepared to give an answer. In the original Greek, that sentence, there's no period separating the two. 
Meaning you have, you have Peter, uh, he, he, he's speaking to the church and he's saying, revere Christ as Lord also and be prepared to give an answer. We see these two things being very much connected, that your heart would have reverence for Christ, that he would be Lord in your heart, and that that very disposition would also have you ready and prepared to give an answer for why your hope is in Jesus. Like why he's, well, like why you have peace when you shouldn't have peace. Why you have hope when you shouldn't have hope. Why do you have so much joy? Why are you so kind? Why are you so generous? Why are you the way that you are? And if you revere Christ in your heart, it's amazing how prepared you will actually be. I help coach my son's baseball team, my youngest son's baseball team. And one of the things that we always say, I say like 4,000 times, I go out on the field, you know, I got my hat on and, you know, they're young kids, right? It's like herding chickens out there. And so you yell and you say, baseball ready. And all the, you know, the whole team, baseball ready, <laughs> right? They kind of chant back to you. And that means that they, they need to get into position. And that means you're kind of squatted a little bit, knees bent, gloves on, you know, hats in front, eyes in front, right? You're paying attention to the pitch and what's happening and you're ready. You're baseball ready. And in the same way that we get faith ready, right? The way we do that is by having reverence for Christ in our hearts. Now, our circumstances are different than theirs. Our culture is different. I don't think the majority of you watching this, I'm not saying that you haven't experienced fear or discrimination because of your faith. You might have. But I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say that here in our Western context, you have probably experienced less discrimination and persecution and suffering for your faith than, than the, the disciples did in this moment that Peter's writing to. But just because fear isn't motivating you to keep you know, faith to yourself, it could be a different kind of fear. It could be the fear of, of just opening your mouth socially and talking and engaging with somebody. What, is, what are they going to think? I'm afraid of, of, the, of the other person's opinion. Or in our, in our Western context, the greatest thing that we are afraid of is offense. Oh, the cardinal sin is, is the thought of offending someone with an idea that is contrary to someone else's. And so we keep things to our Selves. Or maybe it's not fear at all. Maybe it's indifference. Maybe it's you just don't really care. Maybe sharing faith and talking about faith is inconvenient. Maybe you're too busy. Um, maybe you don't know how. Like maybe, you, maybe you have the want to, but you don't have the how to. And we're not going to be able to break down all these things today. Upon this rock... Jesus, this is who our life is built on. And in the same way that, that my kids 
can't stop talking about their museum experience because it was meaningful to them and it was moving to them and it was awesome to them. What really needs to happen, whether it's inconvenience, busyness, fear, don't know how, whatever the reason might be, we can get into the nuance of some of those things, but the foundation for sharing your faith isn't actually me saying or reprimanding or commanding or doing all the things that you need to be out talking about Jesus or proselytizing or evangelizing or doing all these things. No, it's not that. It's that you would have a reverence for Christ afresh in your heart, that you would behold him with your eyes and with your heart, and that you would have awe for this God that you serve. When we have reverence for him and and a fresh awe of the God who made the heavens and the earth, you know what happens? You're moved by him. You have a relationship with him that's real, that's changing, that's transformative. When you behold this God for who he really is and what he has done, it is difficult to keep that to yourself because he is awesome. Now, I use use the word awesome all the time, (laughs) right? And so that word can lose its significance, but I want you to hear it for what it is. The Bible talks about a standing in awe of the majesty and the glory of God, to be in awe of Him, to have reverence in your heart for Jesus as Lord. You need to have some moments where your breath is taken away. But how awesome God is. When that is your relationship with God, you don't need somebody telling you to talk about your church or to share about Jesus. You're just going to because it's meaningful and because you've been moved by it. Most specifically as it pertains to faith, you've been changed by it. When I think about awe and I think about, I think about your eyes, right, on, on God, I think about dating, okay? And I realize everybody that's watching, you're in a completely different place, right? Some of you are married, some of you are divorced, some of you are dating, some of you, the thought of dating sounds detestable, right? All the things. Well, it, when you have a little crush happening, right, think back. Right? If you're married and you've been married a minute, just rewind the tape for a second. But, but when, you're, when you are crushing hard on somebody, there's that pitter-patter in your heart, isn't it? You're like, you're, you know, you kind of have that, you have that nervous energy. You have that, you know, the casual, you're not trying to be obvious, but it's totally obvious to everyone else, you know, that you're scanning for that person. You know, you're waiting for them to show up. Right, they light up the room, right when they walk in, and you're you're looking for them, or or you you know again not completely obvious, you know that you're you're trying to sit by them or save a seat by them, but you're trying to do it in a way that doesn't look obvious, but everybody can see, right? Everybody knows that you're that you got a little something going for this person, and and there's the the, the there's that 
There's the enchantment. The magic of it all. Is it every second of every moment in your relationship? No, it's not. But there is something about this where you look at somebody and there's just, there's just a glow about it. There, there, there's an enamorment. There's a, a love. There's, a, there, there, there's something that happens and it's difficult to even articulate. And that's why you kind of babble and you fawn over yourself and you stick your foot in your mouth and you have cold sweats and, and, and you get nervous. And, and again, your heart, all these things, how do you describe what's happening in this moment? It's awe. It, it, it's, it's, it, it's you beholding someone. And there's something that happens on the inside of you. There's a sense of awe that's taking place. And we need that in our relationship with God. Uh, uh, I'll say this in Luke chapter 1, 65. One of the things that we see as Jesus or as God is moving in, in, in the story of, of John the Baptist and of Jesus and of their, of their birth and, and of the ministry that they have. Look at what, what's happening in chapter 1, verse 65. All the neighbors, right? They're filled with awe. This is as it pertains to John the Baptist, right? They're filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. What happened? Right? We have Zechariah's, you know, he's announcing that an angel appeared to him and told him that he's going to have a son. And the people are blown away by it. And there's some miraculous moments that take place and they're in awe. They're stunned. They're just, they're amazed by what's taking place. And what do they do? They talk about it. Luke chapter 5, verse 26. Everybody is amazed by Jesus and they give praise to God. They are filled with awe and they said, we have seen remarkable things today. They're filled with awe. They're around Jesus and his teaching and his ministry and they're filled with awe and they talk about it. Luke 7, 16, they're all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet, they said, has appeared among us. God has come to help his people over and over and over again, especially with Jesus and his ministry and the crowds, we see two words that, 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 that take place, reverence and awe. And the byproduct is that people can't stop talking about it. Oh, I'm sure they fumbled and bumbled their way through it. And it wasn't theological, right? It wasn't seminary. It wasn't a dissertation. It wasn't a paper. It wasn't a grind. No, people are just talking. Like, can you believe this? Man, God is amazing. In fact, they were giving, what does the Bible say? Praise to God. They're praising God because they're seeing some things that they just find moving. They find meaningful. And when those two things come into play, you don't have to be told to talk about anything. 
When you have the kind of relationship with God where you've protected it in your heart and you still have awe for who he is, you'll never have difficulty. Not that much anyway. Talking about him. Because he's amazing. Because he's awesome. Filled with Awe. Awe of Jesus makes the best witness of Jesus. I'm currently in seminary right now, getting my master's. And I, I want this, I want you to hear this. I love the academic side of things right now. But learning more won't actually help me share my faith at least not in this context. In other words, as I grow in theology and knowing what's right and knowing the Greek and the Hebrew and all the different translations and what this means, all of that gives me greater confidence, right, as I read the Bible and a richness to it. But it doesn't actually help me in any way truly experience God anymore. It doesn't give me courage to speak or share my faith. The only thing that really does that is me having a kind of relationship where I have an awe of God. When I've been on, you know, a fair amount of mission trips, you know, in my time as a pastor and a minister and even before that, you know, youth group, etc., a couple of years ago, you know, we're in a, a very poor village. Ministering, and when I say poor, like we're going into huts, we're going into to very some slummy areas, and there are lots of people without medicine. Uh, there are lots of people, uh, lots of people living in very small spaces. There's sickness, there's disease, there's a lack of food, and we aren't prepared in, in, in the sense that we can't meet all of these needs. Uh, we have translators with us. We're sharing the gospel. We're gathering literally crowds in these streets, these, these dirt roads. And on one such occasion, uh, you know, our translator is doing all the translating for us. And we have, you know, these, these little Bible books that we're giving everyone, not just Bibles, but what's called the purple book, it's a little devotional book. And we're giving them out as presents and as gifts. And, and we're setting up small groups and helping establish a church. And a girl comes forward um, who's probably in her 20s and she can't talk. She is mute. Okay. Everybody knows who she is in this little small village. And they're hearing about this Jesus as we're preaching about it and teaching about it. And they bring her forward to be prayed for. Right here, right now. God, would, you know, maybe, maybe you did it there. Can you do it here? One of the guys that I'm with, the missionary that I'm with, he literally just puts a hand on her shoulder and begins to pray and asks for God to literally open her mouth and give her the ability to speak. And I kid you not, if that did not happen right then, right there. And when I say the crowd stunned and like spread like a horn, I mean, it was like, boom. I mean, people first ran away and then ran back together. It was like a stick of dynamite right, went off in this village because people knew who she was. 
And the translator who is paid to translate, they're not a part of the mission team. They are a hired help purely there to translate. Translators in this very moment are beginning to put their faith in Jesus because out of their own mouth, they said they had never experienced or seen anything like it. This God must be real. And what, we're, what we saw in that moment was an awesome display of God's power and His presence. And I want to sit here or stand here and give you a theological argument for why God did this and how God did it and when He did it and why He does it here and why He doesn't do it there and how that happened. And I can't do any of that. A theology degree and all the learning, it does not help me teach this in this moment. I can only tell you what I've seen and what I've experienced and the awesome nature of God. God is awesome. But you don't have to have seen God do something like that for you to still revere Him as Lord. In other words, to have reverence for the awesome, just power and presence and nature of God. You don't have to have that experience to have that. And many times, that's what we think we've got to have. As if it's only fireworks. And if you don't have that, well, then your relationship with God just doesn't have much juice to it. No. No, that's not the case at all. It's driving down the street. We have a prayer call at our church every Wednesday morning from 7.30 to 8. And I drop my kids at the school. I've got this prayer call on, on speakerphone in my car. And as I'm driving down the road, the sun is rising. And it was like it took my breath away. Oh, look how gorgeous this is. Look how beautiful. Look at this God. I, I drive all the time and I'm cruising and I'm moving and life's moving so fast. And I've got kids and I've got work and I've got deadlines and assignments and all these things and technology and TV. And there, we have so many things swirling that so often we, we, we just we fail to stop and recognize how truly awesome and amazing this God is. Look at this sunrise today. Look at the, look at the sky. Like, how, how did you even dream this up, God? My body that has all of these cells in it and it functions and I have oxygen and my lungs and the galaxy that still is working properly and the sun and the moon and the earth that's spinning. Like all of these things. God, you are amazing. My cells literally break down two trillion times every single day and they rebuild. God, how did you do this? How did you... How do you make this happen? You are amazing. I am in awe of you. The beauty outside. 
God, I don't want to forget to have reverence and awe for you. The God that took the man's shriveled hand and made it like it was new. The same God who fed the 5,000 through Jesus and Jesus raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. Jesus walking on the water and calling Peter to do the same. Jesus, you are amazing. The same Jesus who, who works in your marriage and takes that which is dry and dead and broken and brings life to it. That's the same God who's amazing and awesome. The same God who brings you peace when you're anxious, hope when you're hopeless. He's that awesome. And, and heaven forbid, I stand here and tell you, you need to go share your faith. I, you don't need to hear me say that. What you actually need is a refining, refreshing, renewing moment where the reverence and awe of God is lit afresh in your heart. And when that happens, you will have no trouble talking about God because we talk about things we find awesome and moving and meaningful. Awe of Jesus makes the best witness of Jesus. Do you need to be reminded of how awesome this God is today? I do. It's why we go to the beach, right? It's why we go to the mountains. Maybe not to think specifically about God, but you, you go to strip away all the things of life. You have these deep breath moments and it's like all the clutter and all the noise, it's, it's gone away. And what do you see? That which is beautiful. And it fills you with awe and peace. Well, this morning, I can't give you a ticket to the mountains or the beach. But I can offer you a moment where you stop, where you put it all aside, you fix your gaze upon Jesus afresh, and you behold him for who he is and what he's done, his glory, his majesty, and his awesome nature. You do that, and go tell people about what God's done in your life. You'll have no trouble. Father, I thank you in this moment right now that you are in fact awesome. There is none like you. Who is like the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth? No one compares to you. No one. Not, no one compares to what you can do and no one compares to who you are. And so, Father, today we lift up your name. We fix our eyes upon you. You are glorious. You are majestic. And you are awesome. Fill our hearts today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We serve a God that is good. A God that is great and a God that is awesome. Go tell somebody about him today.
because he's that good. Have a great week. We'll see you right here next week.